The following program was pre-recorded. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders. I'm Laura Jones. It's my first show without Sue Robbins of Everyday People, but the spirit of Sue is still with the show, and I expect to have her on in the months and weeks and years ahead as a guest, perhaps even a guest host leading conversations about everyday people. Coming up on the show, well, it is National Poetry Month, so poetry still happens. We've woven poetry into the show over the years, and it always feels good to gather Utah poets to get their reaction to current events, and it is National Poetry Month, so that's what we'll be doing on the back half. And you'll be hearing from Utah poets Trish Hopkinson and Bonnie Schiffler Olson of Rock Canyon Poets and Nan Seymour of River Writing. More to come throughout the week as we close out National Poetry Month. But coming up in rallies and resources, a bunch of special guests with some projects that they're up to. First of all, rallies and resources on our website, krcl.org. Click on Community Affairs and you will find resources and rallies or rallies and resources such as this. Earth Day may have come and gone last week, but the County Library continues its Earth Fest, learning all about our amazing planet, through the end of the month. They've got fun take-and-make crafts, citizen science, nature exploration, and recycling activities to raise awareness and support our environment and community. You can get a link at Rallies and Resources. All day today, the League of Women Voters of Utah is celebrating the 26th Amendment, recalling the advances since the 26th Amendment, which states the right of citizens of the United States who are 18 years of age or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age. They will also be honoring their student board member, Dottie Uman, for her work to enfranchise young voters. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and tomorrow from 6 to 7 p.m. online, supporting survivors during a global pandemic with the Rape Recovery Center, which on April 29th will announce its Pillar of Hope awardees, including community members or organizations and their work in sexual violence treatment, awareness, or prevention. Also on Thursday at 6.30, People Powered Day of Action. For the first time, Utah citizens will utilize the services of an independent advisory redistricting committee as a result of Prop 4 passed in 2018. The League of Women Voters of Utah Redistricting Committee member Wendy Multaney will discuss the independent redistricting commission's process and transparency with three members of that committee. There will be Q&A time for you all, so... If you'd like to attend, you just need to register for the virtual event, and you can find a link on the Rallies and Resources page of our website. And Saturday, May 1st, it is Make the Rich Pay, People's Agenda Day for May Day, 2 p.m. at Sugar House Park, hosted by the Freedom Road Socialist Organization of Salt Lake City. More details on this event and others can be found on the Rallies and Resources page of krcl.org. You can find it under the Community Affairs tab. The rest of our rallies and resources include special guests, and there's a campaign to clean the darn air. It's back. Yoram Bauman and Ronan Carrier are joining us to share the latest on their project and perhaps to get an initiative back on the ballot. Yoram and Ronan, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having me back. Clean the darn air. It's been a while since you've been on as the stand-up economist, by the way. That's your mo- moonlighting gig, or I don't know, which is your moonlighting gig, to tell you the truth. my day job. It's your day job. and uh, But one of the things you're working on in the community as an advocate for the environment is this Clean the Darn Air campaign. Can you reset for us and tell us where we are? Uh, we tried to get on the November 2020 ballots. We uh, needed 116,000 signatures. We got 
22,000 signatures, which is not bad, but not 116,000. So we're kind of regrouping. We just relaunched on Earth Day last week, and we're now sort of in the process of heading towards the November 2024 ballot. And Ronan, you've been on the show in the past talking about this. What's got to happen now to get the support from the community? Well, I think a really big issue that we have is um, having a wide range of people in our group. And as a young person, I think my kind of job with this um, is to get other young people involved. So last time I was a high schooler and I was trying to get other high schoolers involved, which is somewhat hard because if you're under the age of 18, you have to collect signatures with someone who's over the age of 18. But now I'm a college student. So now I'm kind of in that community. And so I think I might be able to get more college students involved. But we pretty much just need like anyone who can help to come out and help. So do you feel that there's a better shot at it for 2024, Ronan? I do. I think that especially in this past year with the pandemic and the political issues that have been going on, a lot of people are re-looking at the way that they have to, that we are interacting with the natural world around us. And we're looking and seeing the effects of climate change and realizing that we need to make a change and our political leaders are not necessarily going to make that change for us and that we kind of have to bring that change um, ourselves. So you're on. It seems to be a bit more, perhaps, am I, maybe I'm being uh, uh, hopeful, more bipartisan support for cleaning the air. What's got to happen in Utah, which is a supermajority under the GOP, to get more policy development, coalition building, and frankly, the signatures you need to get on the ballot for 2024? I think it's just a continual effort of, of reaching out and bringing people in from different parts of the political spectrum. Uh, you know, I will note that some folks, I think, on the left side of the political spectrum here in Utah have like, I don't know, maybe it's like learned helplessness or something. But look at the when the legislature passed the, to increase the sales tax on, on grocery store food a couple of years ago, I think many folks on the left just sort of said, well, there's nothing we can do about it. The legislature passed it. But then like conservative former legislator gathered you know, the 120,000 signatures in a month in December, right? And with all volunteers. And so uh, it's possible to do this, you know, whatever your listeners issues are, maybe it's climate change, maybe it's something else, but um, it's totally possible to get measures on the ballot in, in Utah. You don't need to have a million dollars. You just need to have a good idea and some passion. So what is it that, have you formulated the language? Are you ready to go out and get signatures with the, the ballot language as is, or does that come after you get the signatures? So right now we're in the process of refining our policy, doing outreach. Um, uh, by Earth Day next year, we hope to have our coalition and our policy sort of figured out. And then we'll be collecting signatures starting in 2023 uh, to get on the 2024 ballot. So it's a little bit of a runway, but uh, it really does take take some time and effort to, to get everything ramped up. So that's where we are now. And we're inviting folks to, to join our effort at, at darnair.org and get involved with ideas for for the policy and how to make it happen. So folks listening who this is their cause, you this is a call to arms, actually, to get involved. You need more folks helping. Ronan. That's right. Yes, for sure. Um, I think that uh, young people are definitely super passionate about this issue. And we've seen that time and time again with rallies and events being um mostly attended to by young people. And actually the state of Utah is the youngest state. We have the largest demographic of young people in this state. So I think that that is 
good for our campaign because that means we have a lot of passionate young people. And so hopefully a lot of people will step up. And you've got the Fridays for Future Utah chapter that is uh, working on the same thing. It seems like there's that coalition building that you're talking about, you're on. Uh, just needs to be brought together, maybe not necessarily under one banner, but maybe under one coalition to get this on the ballot. So what is your advice for um, those listening, including myself, that are maybe a little jaded, a little older, who do throw up their hands? Like, what you going to do? What is your advice? Yeah, I, I think it just remember that we are privileged to be in a state and in a country where we can be involved in the democratic process. And in Utah, we can do direct democracy. And um, uh, that's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing gift that 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 we have, and, uh, and 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 there's nothing stopping us from taking advantage of it. So uh, you know, whether it's getting involved in federal action through you know Citizens Climate Lobby or other groups, there are folks on the right side of the political spectrum, uh, like Congressman John Curtis, Senator Mitt Romney. I think have been great on on climate issues, and I, I do think there's a possibility here for for Utah to lead the way, including by showing how we can do smart, uh, pocketbook-friendly climate action in our own state with a ballot measure like our Clean the Darn Air effort. What's the website one more time? It's just darnair.org or cleanthedarnair.org. You're on, and Ronan, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. All right, now we move to uh, a GoFundMe that I heard about through a story in the Salt Lake Tribune. And joining us from what will hopefully be a queer little bookstore under the umbrella, we have creator Caitlin Mahoney. Hey, Caitlin, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, you had me at bookstore. (laughs) And what you want to do through this bookstore in building and supporting a certain aspect of our community, it may be focused on this aspect of the community, but really it supports everybody as a result. Tell us about your idea. Where did it come from under the umbrella? Well, um, I actually came to my own queer identity kind of late in life. Um, you know, I grew up Mormon in, in Provo, Utah, so I didn't really have access to queerness. And I think that is a pretty familiar uh, thing for a lot of people in Utah. You know, I was taught there was men and women and that was it forever and ever. And there was gay and straight and one was bad and uh, there was nothing else. So when I uh, was about 27, I was divorced. Uh, I made a conscious decision to start learning more about myself and I started reading more diversely. And that's when I discovered what other people could be and made me start thinking more critically and creatively about what I could be. and. You know, that was really exciting and terrifying. Um, But when I, I, I'm an editor actually by, uh, I'm so sorry. My dog is biting my hand right now. (laughs) Well, you got to introduce us. She really wants to be involved. Tell us about your dog. What's your dog's name? Uh, She's Juniper. Hi, Juniper. (laughs) She's a year old. She's a little border collie. She's got way too much energy for everyone's good. So you're an editor by trade. But uh, making the jump to opening a bookstore, that's that's huge. So why is this so important to you? And then we'll get to how you're funding it, because I think that's really interesting way to build community. Yeah, absolutely. So as an editor, one of my favorite things is helping other people tell their stories. That's what really speaks to me about being an editor. And opening a bookstore is kind of like the next step to that 
and in my opinion, like a bigger way to help even more people tell their stories and share their stories with the people who need to hear them. And um, I'm just really excited about having that opportunity, connecting uh, people in the publishing industry who are marginalized, who don't get as much attention as other authors, um, and connecting them with the community members who need to see themselves represented in those stories. So right now you're in a fundraising raising stage to open a bricks and mortar. And then yes. let's go best case scenario. You get everything you need. You're ready to open. What kind of space will under the umbrella be for the community? Oh, my goal is to have this be a space where you can come in and browse by yourself and explore your identity through the books that you find or find community uh, with other people in the space. So the plan is to have, you know, poetry nights. Hopefully Willie will join us for one of those um, to have uh letter writing stations. I'd love to have a pen pal program with incarcerated queer folks and LGBTQ books to prisoners program, um, having a book club. Uh, so really a space where you can connect with yourself and with other members of the community. So you have a GoFundMe page and folks will put a link in the show notes. And uh, how close are you though to finding a space? Um, it's been surprisingly difficult to find an accessible location in Salt Lake. I'm looking primarily in Salt Lake City, uh, but really anywhere in the county. And it's it's hard to find those places that are accessible to everyone. A lot of places have just like one little step that you can't put a ramp on. <laughs> and it's like, what what's going on here? Um, so it's, yeah, I'm looking all over. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, if folks listening want to reach out, just check the show notes. There'll be a link to what Caitlin has planned. Under the Umbrella, you want to explain the name for folks? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was coming up with the name, which also is surprisingly hard, like nobody tells you how hard it's going to be to name your business. Um, but I really wanted a name that communicated how no matter where you are on your journey to self-discovery or how fluid your identity is, um, you know, mine is, I haven't figured out my gender yet and I'm not sure I ever will. Um, but no matter like where you identify under the queer umbrella, under the LGBTQIA umbrella, you would be welcome and valid and respected and represented uh, under the umbrella. Caitlin Mahoney, thanks for giving us some time. We look forward to your grand opening. Thank you so much. And uh, to wrap up our rallies and resources, we now have joining us from the Utah Pride Center, Rob Mullman. Hey, Rob. Hi, Laura. How's it going? Doing well. I hear that you're moving on. You posted your your letter about where things have been the last couple of years and where you're headed and a call for a new executive director at the Utah Pride Center. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's really exciting, actually. I mean, I think that um, one of the key steps for any executive director needs to be considering how to best transition out of the organization. Um, and I asked the board of directors last week, uh, the executive board of directors, to start the hunt and the search for the next boa wearer of the Utah Pride Center. So, for our radio folks, please note, Rob just gestured to a boa yeah, behind I'm him in the Zoom session. To the boa that is all too often, um, was actually passed down to me from Carol Gennady, who was the previous executive director. So we joke that that is, um, you know, what, we do the boa so, of leadership 
Yes, yes. So, you know, we've um, the board of directors um, will constitute a new subcommittee, and I want to make sure that because of the wonderful place that this organization is in right now, be able to hand over to the next person coming in. Um, and the board will start that search and I will stick around until they find that next person. It's been a it's been a rough year with COVID and all that meant to the Pride Center. I mean, the center, a place to come and gather, couldn't do that very thing. And yep. not only did you lose programming, but uh, the donations that came to support those. And so, you know, you've been doing everything as an organization to keep it vital. And one of those things as we come out of COVID is adding the programming again. And you've launched in April a rainbow wellness program. Tell us about that. Yes. You know, I mean, one of the things, you know, one of the small silver linings that that came from COVID was the expansion of some of our current programming um, to far-flung spaces in Utah, which is wonderful through the virtual spaces. One of the things that we saw um, was that as people were gathered in their homes, that need for connection just was amplified. And we know that. Um, and I love that I'm after Caitlin because it really is in the similar vein and feeling of the work that Caitlin's um, embarking on around creating spaces for LGBTQ individuals where they can come together and learn and connect and be celebrated and be honored. So we started this program called Rainbow Wellness about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I suppose a way to describe it is adult learning spaces for LGBTQIA2S individuals and those allies who want to be in these sorts of spaces. We know that people often arrive at the Pride Center either in a state of crisis or needing um, therapy and support. But this is a way to say, hey, there are other ways to connect. There are other places to connect. One of the things I know we'll be doing is referring people off to Caitlin's Under the Umbrella Bookstore and say, hey, there's a book club thing over there. Because I think our community needs that. So we have things like yoga for stress reduction. We've got Release Your Inner Artist with a paint mixer. We've got Rainbow Hiking Group, which we advertise against a different group. We've got a beautiful writing course done by Moody Sabiti from um, Lizzie's Kitchen, meditation to connect yourself with your what's a higher self. So it's really those sorts of things done in a queer space with queer individuals and experts in those, in those fields. So we've got outside experts who bringing in their knowledge and their, their passion for this work. So we're really, really, really excited about bringing something new to the Pride Center. So good to hear about Moody engaging in the river writing process. And I know that's with Utah writer and poet Nan Seymour, who we yep. will have on the show later talking about river writing oh, and, and the year that's been. So there's a lot of synchronicity today. Yes. So for folks that are interested in Rainbow Wellness or your job, where should they turn to? <laughs> well, for Rainbow Wellness, there's some exciting stuff. It's on our webpage. So you can go onto the webpage. There's an icon that's Rainbow Wellness and it'll give you all the classes and you can click on and join. If you're an individual who'd like to present something, so perhaps at some point, Caitlin wants to, do, for example, I'm going to use you as an example, Caitlin, sorry. You want to run a, like, hey, the book club, we're doing an eight-week course and we're going to be looking at lesbian novels from, you know, of the 19th century or whatever. Um, Caitlin would apply, would send an email to, um, it's wellness at utahpridecenter.org. That'll get, um, instructors, people who want to present eight-week courses, six-week courses in connection with the right person. That's a wonderful Sarah McCombie. Um, so yeah, and for my for my job, stay tuned. Um, the board the board meets tomorrow, and we'll put up a job description. I I offered to write the job description, 
which included, you know, should be single or expect to be single, expect <laughs> to put on 50 more kilograms, those sorts of things. But they weren't that oh. interested in me writing the Yeah, story. yeah, I see why. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call by the committee. Yeah. Well, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Pride Week is happening in a new yeah. fashion. And why don't you give us the rundown on that and what's the update? We are so excited. So, yes, Pride is happening. Pride is happening. Do not forget that. Um, and we're really, again, excited about changing it all up. We are going ahead with a COVID-safe, um, amazing experience down on Washington Square. We've got a couple of the things planned, but the, the gist of the big Pride is 20 different gardens, and they're story gardens. So, again, beautifully synchronized Um in this uh, particular. Yeah, with our poetry coming up, you bet. Yeah, so we've got story gardens. We're telling the queer stories in Utah. We've got um, the transgender garden. We've got a drag queen garden. We've got a garden for BIPOC, queer BIPOC um, individuals, bringing our community into these spaces. And it, it essentially will be a little bit like an outdoor, interactive, fun exhibition um, you'd buy your tickets like you would for a museum and you'd get your time and you'd move through in a COVID safe way. Um, and the second thing that I hope that in this, listeners of particularly this show would consider is our march and rally, which is happening on the Sunday. That's the day that we normally have the parade. And again, a wonderful opportunity presented to us to really lift the voices of the more, more marginalized communities within a marginalized community. So we're hoping to have some wonderful speakers and rally our community to take change and make action, take action. Um, and um, it should be a really good day. All of those details are on the Pride website. The one quick thing that I hope your listeners might consider is a tribute or a memorial to somebody who has been important in their queer journey. You can submit a short 150, 200 word story about somebody, your sister, your teacher, your friend, your a community leader who has inspired you on our website and a little picture. And then that will bring them to the to the garden and we'll have a little picture and you can walk them past it and go, hey, look, mom, this is what you mean to me and this is what you've done for me. I want to celebrate you. Um, so we're excited about that as well. Well, if and when, because it'll be when, uh, the next Rob Mulman comes along and is Pass the boa. We may need to do that on the show, a ritual passing of the boa, okay? <laughs> Done. Rob Mulman, Utah Pride Center, thank you so much for giving us some time. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for all your support always. Thank you. Absolutely. Check the show notes tonight, folks, to everything Rob was talking about. There'll be lots of links. And I would love to see uh, who you all would nominate for a tribute or a memorial for one of the Pride Gardens for Utah Pride coming up June 1st through 7th. And that's Rallies and Resources. Coming up next, we're going to get into Poetry Still Happens as we round out National Poetry Month. I'm Laura Jones, and to get us from here to there, the latest song from Marianne Faithful. It's a poetry and music collaboration with Warren Ellis in which she reads the romantics. This one in particular, She Walks in Beauty by Lord Byron, right here on KRCL Radioactive. If you're in crisis and facing shutoff of utility services, contact 211 to find an agency about crisis funding eligibility. Qualified low-income utilities customers are protected against shutoff in certain circumstances. Find details about utilities support at 211. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. 
Red, White, and Blues with Brian Kelm at 8. Night Train with Michelle Tanner at 10.30. And you get your brand new day with John Florence each and every weekday at 6 a.m. All of our programming and the radioactive archives may be found online at krcl.org. April is National Poetry Month, and as we say here at KRCL, poetry still happens, but especially during National Poetry Month. So for the rest of the hour, we are going to hear from Utah poets reacting to the times. And in fact, we're going to be bringing you more throughout the week on Radioactive, but later this hour, Nan Seymour from River Writing. First off, though, a conversation I recorded with Trish Hopkinson and Bonnie Schiffler Olson of Rock Canyon Poets. Trish and Bonnie, it's National Poetry Month. Poetry still happens all the time on KRCL, but even more so during the month of April. Thanks for doing the show with me today. You're welcome. It's good to be here. Yeah, happy to be here. Poetry 2021, after the year that we've experienced, um, I'm, I'd like to hear what poetry has been for the two of you as poets, um, but also as folks who love to read poetry by others. Bonnie. Oh, I I think uh, most notably this year, uh, I was able to focus and adopt the title instead of introducing myself as something other than a poet. I realized that's my sustaining force in life. And it's been nice to have that to fall back on, not just to inhabit, but, you know, that's my that's my grounding. That's that's home home base for me. So, you know, in, in the mayhem of pandemic and, uh, uh, you know, political uncertainty, it's, it's been so good to have poetry there as a voice of compassion and empathy and, you know, exploring the landscape that is so new to so many of us. But yeah, I've, I've come to see myself at home as a poet. Trish? Yeah, I think um, uh, my my uh, poetry existence has ebbed and flowed since the beginning of the pandemic. Initially, there I had so much to say and write and all these new experiences and reflecting on those and how my life had changed and how priorities in my life had changed. So initially, I was a lot. And then things just seem to just, my backlog just seemed to grow and grow and grow (laughs) and my headspace shifted and I just felt very, very busy. Um, So I I haven't been writing a whole lot lately, but a little bit. And I would say, you know, the way that I reflect on things and what my poetry is about has shifted a little bit because of those changes in life priorities. You know, what's really important to me. How do I want to spend my time? Um, so it's been, it's been a really interesting year in that way, but poetry is always um, at the forefront in one way or another and, and important to my, to me being content, whether I'm reading or writing it. Well, when it comes to the writing of poetry through the year that shall not be named, did it give you a, a sense of control in a year where I haven't felt a heck of a lot of control? Trish. I would say I felt like through some of the poems that I was writing, I did find what I could control. So I noticed that my poems were really about how I could control slowing down, how I could control my own focus, how um, looking inward was something I gave myself time to do 
So yes, I think in a roundabout way, it did, it helped me find, you know, what was still under my control and helped me figure out, you know, what I wanted to spend time on. So yes, I, I think it did. Bonnie, same for you, a modicum of control? Or have you always uh, felt when you put pen to paper that you have that control? Oh, I I think it always takes effort. It doesn't just happen on its own. Um, I think I think what what poetry has become is part of the daily landscape, uh, the things, you know, we have we get up and we do the things that, you know, make us human. And uh, the control that I found is in giving myself space, you know, half an hour to an hour a day. I know that's not a lot, but to be able to slow down, uh, to measure the economy of words to um, experiment with the line and its its possibilities, it, it takes me out of the flurry of the pandemic and the uncertainty. And yeah, it, it has given me control to explore so many other things that are part of the human experience right now. Well, let's hear some. Bonnie, would you go first? Yeah, I chose a couple. Uh, to share today that are geared towards Earth Day. That was uh, this past week. Um, I think I'm going to start with one that, it, it's a new one. It's um, entitled, Like Earthlings Looking for a Place to Belong. I found the perfect breakfast cereal, organic, whole grain, a return to my hunter-gatherer roots. This product claims it's better than the last, a new perspective on quality and expenditure. I eat the economy of a globe in crisis, spent on history we may or may not mend. Mind, the only true frontier in terms of textural gains while feeding pink rifts and gray matter inlets, a harbor that tells us something about deserts, how none of us can accommodate water on the brain, how calories gobble up satellites, gleaming planets one by one from the solar tree. The latest tower rises to tangle language on Mars, a ladder lifts to discover Jupiter's different storms. There's always something new beyond the home, stripped of furnishings to move west, closer to the sunset's view, a little more to the left. I'm off toward another somewhere in search of good fit to further saturate a market or find means enough to put grains on the table. Granted, this meal's offering sustains no more than the last, Still, I'm human, complicit, looking for new ways to get from here to there, to fill perceived need, every last surviving gut. Ah, giving you some snaps. Bonnie Schiffler Olson of Rock Canyon Poets. <laughs> Trish, it's call and response, I think, between the two of you. What do you got? I have a nature poem as well, so I would say it also relates to Earth Day. It's called Ode to a Young Screech Owl. To you who left a mouse pellet in my backyard, thank you. 
Thank you for your nightly visits, your gentle calls. I've seen you perch in the ash tree, certain in your footing, sturdy on an extended limb. I name you wholeness for your whole life long, for the acknowledgement of your call, a question you pose each evening, your silhouette blurred, camouflaged by branch and bark, the porch light glinting off each iris when you crook your brow. What does this world offer to a screech owl? What but a mouse, its scraps wrapped up tidily, left for me to find in daylight's prism, the skull carefully tucked in, surrounded by small bones, shroud of hair, a casket or rather a sacrifice offered, a field mouse that gives you will to live another day, not unlike my own nervous impulses, scurrying in bits of fodder, scavenging string and straw to nest, building prospect, only to be snatched up in your talons, swallowed whole. Soft annihilation leaves bones unbroken, dissolves muscle, fat, skin, and heart. I harden myself to keep my inside soft, like the screech owl, and cannot eat again until the remains are let go. Trish Hopkinson, and this Ode to a Young Screech Owl has also been published by Moment Poetry. Tell me about this new press and how it's combining your poetry with art. Yeah, Moment Poetry is a a, a really amazing project. I believe they're out of a pretty small town, I want to say in the Ukraine. Um, English-speaking, English publisher, but they, they do this cool publication where they take a single poem and put art it's almost like a small broadside but they publish it like a like a 45 so it's this card with artwork the poem is on the front and the back and then it slides into a sleeve like like a little record like an old 45 I like that I like that a lot and you know go ahead I was just gonna say they're open for calls for submission. So if you're interested in having a poem published that way, you can look up Moment Poetry. I have an interview with them on my website, uh, trishhopkinson.com, and you can send them poems to see if they're interested in publishing yours. So Last week, we spoke with Lisa Bigmore of Light Scatter Press and how she, her goal is to create that multimodal, multimodal, multi-sensory experience with poetry throughout. So it's really exciting to see what Utah poets, well, I guess we have to call you a Colorado poet now, Trish. Technically, (laughs) I'm still a Utah poet. I'm still a Utah. I'm just over the border a little bit now. Poetry still happens. April is National Poetry Month. I'm Laura Jones, and you're listening to Radioactive Special Poetry Edition. We're speaking with Bonnie Schiffler Olson and Trish Hopkinson, who has been our guide on Poetry Still Happens. In fact, we have a standing open call for poets here at Radioactive. If you go to krcl.org, hit the Community Affairs tab, and then you'll see the Poetry tab, all the directions on how to do it. Trish, let's talk a bit about the opportunities for established and aspiring poets. There's there's tons of calls going on, it seems like. Yeah, there really are, and there are a lot of uh, publications that are right here in Utah. Um, if you go to rockcanyonpoets.com, we have our Poetry Still Happens uh, page 
where you can find all the recent uh, virtual events for poetry readings, hopefully some in-person poetry readings coming up later this year um, as we start to get back into a face-to-face -face space. But um, also toward the bottom of, of that page, you'll see uh, listings for open calls specifically for uh, publications that are published here in Utah, so. Well, last year, the Arts Festival didn't happen due to the pandemic, and you've worked with them in the past as their literary arts coordinator for Spoken Word. And I heard the Arts Fest is happening, but toward the end of August, any word on what's happening there with poets? Yeah, they're going to continue. Uh, they're going to take the program that was originally going to happen back in 2020, and they have um, offered all those literary artists to come back uh, for 2021. It'll be in person August 27th through 29th, so one day shorter. It'll be Friday through Sunday. Um, I think they're planning to have pretty full programming, um, although they will be, you know, using some best practices to, to keep people still, you know, safe, uh, depending on the, the climate um, toward the end of August. Hopefully we'll, we'll be a highly vaccinated um, and everybody will be, able to to hang out together. Um, but yeah, so Case Johnston is, uh, he's alternating years with me uh, as the literary coordinator and he's running the program this year and we're looking forward to, to seeing those events on stage again. So Bonnie, let's go into yeah. your world of poetry. You're down there in Utah County and yeah. poetry happens. There are reading nights at Provo Poetry and all of that. So where where do we stand and where do you think we're headed in terms of live poetry here in Utah? Uh, live is happening on Zoom, as so many things are uh, this past year. Uh, the poetry community down here has been, uh, through uh, Provo Poetry, has been meeting once a week, Thursday nights, 7.30 p.m. Um, you can check out Speak for Yourself Mike um, on Facebook. Uh, we welcome all poets. Um, and creative writers. And uh, that's hosted by uh, Marianne Harding, Hales Harding, I can't remember, Marianne. Marianne hosts that and she does amazing work with uh, Provo Poetry. I know a lot of us are putting more energy towards submission. Uh, Trish talked to that, I spoke to that briefly. Um, I know I don't, just sitting at home, I have so much more time to just gather my thoughts and and uh, check out those markets and send my work out. And that it, it's always rewarding when you know you get an acceptance. And it it's also it, it, you know it confirms your existence when you're rejected, uh, it, be it uh, form rejection or a kind uh, tier direction uh, rejection where they ask you to, it's just nice to be part of the community still. It's, it's still thriving. So Bonnie, what else do you have to yeah. share with us as we round out our conversation with you and Trish? I have a spring poem. We're about a month in and true to form. Uh, some days are sunnier and more spring-like than others. This is a psalm to our celebratory mother on the vernal equinox. Behold the fledgling girl circle back, tiptoe round the hemisphere, hesitate. She swirls a big toe and pulls out crocus and daffodil, shakes moths from petticoats, catches her breath 
and exhales the sun like melting butter against rejoicing skin. Observe the tepid contrast in her eager wake. Feel her rise and gasp from a season's brave sleep, finally stirring the world's surface, bringing spring rippling to memory, the cotton-tufted clouds, the crosshatch of linen branches clothed in green eyelet, the singular delight of a day dancing barefoot with the couplet hours of night. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm sure I'm reading into it, but uh, a spring poem as we come out of a year of COVID and quarantining, I'm feeling some hope there. Thank you, Bonnie. You're welcome. Where can people catch up with you and your work? Um, I'm uh, blogging right now at thepearlbox.blogspot.com. It's an exploration, a meditation on... uh, Sending messages to my future grandchildren, things that I'm learning this year that I hope I can pass on to them. And it, it is a hope that someday I will have that to pass along. For now, my children are my readers, just anyone who is willing to explore that landscape with me. We'll put a link in tonight's show notes. All right, Trish, bring it home for us. What you got? Sure. Yeah, I thought I would share uh, the poem that I wrote for Thrive 125. So let's um, explain Thrive 125. Yeah, the Utah Department of Heritage and Arts put together this program called Thrive 125 to celebrate Utah's 125th year of statehood. And so they asked uh, about 22 Utah poets and writers to write something in 125 words. Uh, basically what Utah means to them or what Utah is to them. Um, and so it was definitely a challenge and um, every word was really important. I only had 125, <laughs> no more, no less. Um, but there, yeah, there are some really uh, great, great Utah writers up there. So um, you can find all of them at thrive125.utah.gov. And, you know, Willie Palomo's up there uh, from um, Utah Humanities and uh, Paisley Rechtal, Utah's Poet Laureate. Actually, most of the past Poet Laureates are up there. So some really, really great writing. And I'm just super honored <laughs> that they asked me to participate. So this was, uh, this was my prose poem uh, for that piece. And it's called Gathering of the Salt teetering on the shoulders of native lands, gazing into murky remnants of Bonneville blue to the red cliffs and sloping pine skirts of the horizon. Progress seems distant, yet eminent. Immerciful inversion fissures projecting slices of radiance to valley floors. Rising to touch the wingtips of mountain bluebirds, the margins ascend layers of latter-day yard goods knitted with iron rods and strings from fallen angels, patriarchy and stifling, beginning to unravel and tread where hymns trail 125 years past. At the crease, an early equinox slowly unfolds, welcomes all sides to receive the sun, shake off noxiousness, exhale admissions, smash the champagne against the repaired hull, 
give every voice a flute full, lick away the salt, let loose the anchor ropes, prepare to embark. Oh my gosh. What was that line again about the hemlines trailing? And oh, that just like, whoo, that was like a body <laughs> slam. Give me that line again. Uh, the um, the margins ascend layers of Latter-day yard goods knitted with iron rods and strings from fallen angels, patriarchy and stifling, beginning to unravel and shred where hymns trail 125 years past. That just took me right back to hand carts and pioneers and um, part of our history here in Deseret. Thank you so much. Where can people catch up with you? trishhopkinson.com or selfishpoet.com. Definitely make sure to check out Poetry Still Happens at rockcanyonpoets.com. We're still looking for poems always for provopoetry.org. And those go into our poem ball machines. Proud to have one at KRCL, (laughs) uh, as well as a couple down in downtown Provo. So uh, Marianne Hales-Harding is uh, running the show there with um, provopoetry.org. And also make sure to check out her open mic. It's weekly, so it's it's a great one to catch on Zoom currently. And that's Speak for Yourself open mic on Facebook. My thanks to Trish Hopkinson and Bonnie Schiffler Olson. By the way, we're going to have a poetry prompt for you for May to start adding your voice in verse to Radioactive. We have one more conversation with poet and writer Nan Seymour. But before we get there, Another poem curated by Trish Hopkinson for our ongoing Poetry Still Happens series. You can find more details at krcl.org if you'd like to submit. Here's Gregory Brooks. Hello, my name is Greg Brooks, and I'm a poet who grew up in Orem and a student at Utah Valley University. My poem is about the dreamlike nature of being separated from others, and it's called Murmuration. I see a crumpled mask on the ground like a mouth torn off in a frenzy to speak, catch on the wind and join the leaves as they cross. A bit of hometown chaos here, swirling, moving blind and quick. But when the sky tugs on my coat, I follow their flow, like a hawk behind a swarm of starlings, chasing the murmuration, hunger gleaming in its eye. I pour my body down the road, gliding out until I pass the final signs that mark the city. Trees have no secrets here, their branches sliced bare by the breeze, and I feel the autumn dusk pour epoxy into my eyes, unfolding the gray clouds like gouache over canvas. Now the leaves are caught in a lattice of a chain-link fence, piling up along some unknown border, and the mask is with them. I reach out to push it through on instinct, as one might press a blister, stopping only when I notice dirt on the baby blue fabric, and it murmurs in my mind. Touch no one, say everything, love them all from behind a line. Do this now so we can all wake up, drowsy from a dream, and start again. This is Greg Brooks, and that was a poem called Murmuration. My first chapbook called The Music of the Dead is forthcoming from Salt Lake Community College, and you can find more of my work at gregbrookspoetry.wordpress.com. Thanks, Gregory. And now I'm turning to an old friend, actually. We grew up together. Nan Seymour, how are you? I'm well, Lara. How are you? I'm better now that I can see your face. It's probably been more than a year <laughs> since I've even seen you on Zoom. And, it's uh, been a while. Thank you for 
giving us some time today on our poetry show. April is National Poetry Month, and I know you've always got something going on. And first, let's reintroduce you to our listeners. River writing is something that you've been doing for how long now? Gosh, I guess six years, more than six years. And you've been on before with your poetry, as I've asked poets to share what they're working on or going through as a greater reflection of the community. I know you got some good stuff, but tell me about the year that was uh, in terms of expression, because river writing, you bring groups together and lead kind of writing practice. Yeah, and I'm yeah, you have an Instagram collective, River Writing Collective, that has a lot of great stuff on it where people are yeah. sharing what they've been going through. Well, it, you know, we it's a it's a community based writing practice. That's uh, the idea is it's um, a generative practice and also very generous, where we're just writing to discover. Um, we're not offering critique and, or praise, and we're just showing up uh, together to be in that kind of messy part of creation in a really friendly way and um so you know it served the practice served the the situation of the pandemic quite well it was able to flex onto zoom easily even though we used to meet in live circles and i i look forward to when we will again we'll keep the zoom circles um because they'd really allowed for connection and community during a really as everyone knows <laughs> challenging time um but it's kind of an authentic way to connect um, and also create and be together so river writing and the pandemic actually got along together pretty well but um we're all glad to see the you know <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> well we're going to get to that with some of your work but i wanted to start a little bit more personal and i know that immigration touches your household yeah, it does. I'm married to a Turkish immigrant, Mustafa. My um, love is a poet uh, and also an immigrant and someone who's in the middle of a process. And uh, some of the things that were realities that's I guess still really are, but mercifully changed a lot with the administration change. A lot of, uh, we lived in a lot of fear um, and it's lessened, but uh, this poem that I have that reflects that reality. I don't know. It speaks to it. What's it called? Let's hear it. This poem, don't laugh, Laura, you might. It's called, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's called no why judgment. We're just showing up. <laughs> right? Why I got married a third time after swearing I never would again. <laughs> oh, there's so much inside conversation, listeners. I knew that would bust you up. Why I got married a third time after swearing I never would again. And this is for Mustafa. Because do you like Rumi was his first question. Because he wore a floral scarf edged with lace on our second date. Because when I noticed his face, when I noticed it, his face became the Mediterranean lit by the moon. Because a single word in Turkish, yakamoz, means moonlight spilling over the sea. Because the scarf was his grandmother's because after we watered our sapling plum and hardy fig, he said, we have given the fruit trees their soul water because we love bread the same way with reverence for earth and labor. Because he taught me to love Anatolian rock because his license plate reads Nazim for Nazim Hikmet. Because when apropos of nothing, I looked up and said, there is a river under the river. He replied, there is, there must be because he is curvaceous in his ways, 
because he once told me, I don't want to be a gentleman, I want to be a gentle human. Because the patrol who halted us 80 miles north of the border barked English or Spanish and then papers. And then spitting through his teeth, if I wanted to, I could keep you here. Because here was nowhere and what he said was true because of his gun. Because my hands trembled as we drove away because marriage is a plea for refuge, because I want to keep him here, because we had no answer for the gun. It's beautiful and hard. And I'm in love with both of you all over again. Oh, thank you, Laura. All right, it let's, a, it, yeah. yeah, let's get even it's more. An edge it does have phone. an, it definitely yeah. has an edge. <laughs> Let's go political, because I know you got something to say about what happened on January 6th and our nation's <laughs> capital. And I know you follow politics closely because of yeah. your daughter and what all transgender folks must have felt and went through this political season. Ooh, yeah, that's a big topic. So it was hard to get that into a poem, but I had an occasion to try because I was invited to actually pray for the Utah State Legislature. Uh, by our common friend Derek Kitchen invited me to open with a prayer and because prayers are poems and poems are prayers of course you know this is a prayer poem that I shared with the legislature not too long after January 6th it's a little longer this than this so I'm going to read the last half of it they didn't tell me how much time I had so I figured I'll just pray as long as I could <laughs> <laughs> it's a very sincere prayer on my part that um, comes from our upbringing, you. doesn't it, Nan? Yeah. You didn't tell me how long, so I'm just going to go as long <laughs> no as I No one said that they didn't cut my mic, so I just kept <laughs> praying. So I'm just going to mercifully, probably for your audience, give you half of it. Um, yeah, we'll start here. This is maybe the more political part. Bearer of light, may we listen. May we make the last first. May we cultivate our kinship with each other, our ancestors and all peoples, all genders, all creatures, all life. May we value the ways we are linked over ways we are ranked. Hate generalizes, so let us love specifically. Giver of life, as our democracy dangles from a precipice, let us protect her as our beloved. May we never again take her for granted, let us guard her with courageous action. Let us remember those who are in danger, those who have been wounded, and those who have died in her defense. Source of justice. You have called on us to eradicate racism from our institutions and systems. Help us acknowledge the harms we are doing and have done. Help us write them with urgency, for we have taken lives, rights, and property. Maker of delicate arch, architect of the grand staircase, source of the Jordan, the green and the bear. May we have eyes to see the splendor of this world you have made and ears to hear her wild music. May we have hearts to receive her ever flowing beauty. May we marvel at her rivers and respect their sovereignty. Sower of cedar and sago lily, maker of magpie and mountain lion. May we reverence every plant and every creature. May we cherish this earth as our only home, our only possibility. May we care for each other and every aspect of your creation. 
May we consecrate our words and actions as we align our lives and our laws with your illimitable love. In the name of that love and all that is holy, every bird, valley, and river, every person and tree. Amen. Amen. Again and again. Yeah. So we're talking with poet and writer Nan Seymour of River Writing, a collective communal experience if people want. What's the website where people can check that out before uh, we close? Just riverwriting.com, riverwriting, W-R-I-T-I-N-G. I'll put it in the show notes, but... Uh, Awesome. I, I tend to ask poets for some hope, and you've reminded me that maybe hope isn't the thing. Maybe it's a call to action and a call to responsibility, and I believe your last piece addresses that. Yeah. Um, my mentor, Dina Metzger, wrote a wonderful essay with the title, Not Hope But Possibility, as part of the title, and that's how I hold this poem. This, it's possible that we could step up right, and get responsible. Um, this poem prayer is called God of the Green Door, Come. God of the Green Door, Come. God of cricket and hurricane, of squash blossom and fine stem, you who made the mantis pray. Ancient shoreline, remnant sea, maker of compost and decay. God of mudslide and muscle, you trembled until the trumpet dropped. You shook until the angel let it slip from his hands. God of blue, blood moon and seed pod, flood us and break us. We have been selling without seeing, staking without claim. You spoke smoke, you bellowed fire, you turned our tables, and yet we return to our commerce. God of the green door, show us your mercy. Come tremble the temple again. I got to give you my snaps now. <laughs> yeah. I love that's, snaps. Thank you, Lara. <laughs> all of that was beautiful. And are any of these that you shared tonight in the book that's coming out? They all are, actually. Okay. Right. It's a prayer book called, um, prayer poem book called Prayers Not Meant for Heaven. Prayers Not Meant for Heaven. It should be out late July, early August. I'm so excited about it. Well, when it does come out, you know, you're coming back, right? Oh, good. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's so nice. And that's our show. Poetry still happens. My thanks to Nan Seymour. Greg Brooks, and Trish Hopkinson and Bonnie Schiffler Olson for sharing their work and their hearts with us tonight. We'll have more throughout the week as this final week of National Poetry Month comes to a close. My thanks to all of our guests. This has been Radioactive, a production of Listeners Community Radio of Utah. Questions, comments, suggestions? Email us, radioactive at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.